You may be seated, and good morning. So glad to have you here, and those of you online, thanks for clicking in on us, and this is going to be a great day. Uh, the passage that we're going to use for our prayer, and for those of you that are in-house, uh, you have a QR code in front of you or on a chair. Click on that with your phone right now. Take it to your camera setting and just focus on, on the QR code. That will give you an opportunity to be able to put in some prayer requests. And after you hear the passage that we're using for our prayer team to pray over all of us, you will want to have access to the prayer uh, spot there. Second Samuel 22, and there are several verses that I want to read that we'll use uh, as our prayer driver for this week. I called to the Lord in my distress. I called to my God. And from his temple he heard my voice and my cry for help reached his ears. First of all, is that not incredible that the creator of the universe, the one who made it all, that he comes along and we cry out when we are in the midst of distressful moments and difficult times, that he, it, not only does he hear us, but our cries reach his ears. No one had to alert him. He was right there and he hears it. Verse 14, the Lord thundered from heaven. The Most High made his voice heard. So he's coming alongside and he has something to say to us. Notice what else he did. Verse 20, he reached down from on high and he took hold of me and he pulled me out of deep water. I don't know where you feel you've fallen and where you need the help from God, but he doesn't send someone else to take care of it. The creator of the universe, here's your cry. He knows what's going on, and he comes alongside and says, I am with you, and I will reach down, and I will help you, and I will pull you out of the deep water. Verse 31, he brought me out to a spacious place. He rescued me because he delights in me. So many times we think that God is angry at us and that he is out to get us when, in fact, it says that he has delight in us. God. His way is perfect. The word of the Lord, it's pure. He's a shield to all who take refuge in him. So that's kind of a, a clue bell there that the word of the Lord is, is pure and he's a shield to those if you will put your hope and trust in him, if you will give your life to Christ and come to him when you are struggling. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock, God, the rock of my salvation, he is exalted. Therefore, I will give thanks to you among the nations. Lord, I will sing praises about your name. Whatever you turn in and prayer request this week, this is what we're going to be praying. And let you to, to pray that you will realize that God hears your voice and he hears your cry. And he's there to come alongside and to pull you out. And to give you hope. And he sings over you. He, he thinks you're an amazing person. And he brings you to a rock. And he brings you to spacious areas. And he wants to come alongside way. Because his way is the perfect way. Before we pray. And as you uh, jot in your prayer requests. Let me also uh, let you know that Friday evening. We have a Zoom prayer meeting. And it is a, a, a night of praying for healing. And so uh, I would invite all of you. The blast will have the. Uh, the uh, Zoom connection, 
uh, for you to join us from 7 to 8. About 15 minutes, we'll talk about what the Bible says about healing, physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. We'll talk about how the Bible uh, addresses healing, and then we'll spend 45 minutes praying for the requests that you put in. So whether you're able to be there Friday night or not, if you will email office at newcovchurch.org, office at newcovchurch.org, we will pray for whoever and whatever situation uh, you choose to, uh, to let us know about. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are available and thank you that you are never too far above us to not be able to hear us. Thank you, thank you that in our distress, in our difficult times, when we feel like we are sinking, when we are overloaded and overwhelmed, you reach down and pull us out. And I pray that there would be freedom this morning for all who would call upon you. And we put our hope and trust in you that you would be our refuge and nothing else, no one else, but we put our hope and trust in you. So, Father, I pray that you would cause all of us this morning, that you would reveal to us, as Brett mentioned earlier, God, I pray that if we are putting our hope and trust in anything or anyone other than you, God, bring that to our mind's eye so that we can confess that and put our hope and trust in you, our rock, our shield, our defender, our refuge. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to be in several passages this morning. Uh, this, last week, uh, this past weekend, I had the privilege of uh, being a part of a wedding. And at every wedding that I am uh, participating in, I always challenge the couple at the very end because uh, every couple makes these amazing commitments. I made them. If you're married, you made them. And you talk about wanting to, to live, to move from me to we. Uh, but I close it every time I close it out. I close it out with saying, you've made these amazing decisions. Now, how are you going to actually pull it off? You're going to move from me to we. What I want to do this morning, we've been talking for several weeks now about God's call on our life, and I want to talk about, we've talked about what God's call is on our lives, but that we are to be bridging the gap, that Jesus bridged the gap for us, and that we also have an opportunity to stand and bridge the gap for those around us. I want to connect all the dots this morning. I am so glad you're here this morning. Probably the most recurring question that I get as a pastor is, what is God's will for me? What does God want me to do uh, in my life at this particular point? And if that is a question that has ever entered your mind, you've come at the right time. Every week over the last three weeks, we've talked about this from Jenny Allen. Jesus didn't just empty himself on the cross. His whole life bridged the gap, showing us how to live. So often we go to Jesus, we make him savior of our souls but we don't look to him as the model for how to live. So we've talked about this, that Jesus has bridged this gap for us, and our goal is to come alongside people to help them to move from horizontal constructs. Let this side of the bridge represent horizontal constructs, meaning that is my lens by which I'm going to solve my problem that I am. I'm in distress, and so I'm going to look to someone or something to take care of the problem that I have. The problem with that, we've talked about this, that when we try to satisfy what is eternal with what is temporary, we only pacify the issue. We get short-term results, short-term solutions, and you'll never get enough of what you don't need. 
What Jesus has called us to do is to not, as we mentioned earlier, our tendency is to put our hope and trust in things and other people, but he's called, he said, I, I want you to cross the bridge, so to speak. I want you to follow me. Let me be the bridge to, to eternity. And so that Jesus comes in into our lives and we begin to live life differently. The purpose, we've talked about this, the purpose of God's call is not to make our little kingdom of one work better. That's our tendency, though, is we want God to make our little kingdom of one. If it would just work better, I would be better, be better off. And that is not Jesus' call for those who have placed their faith in Jesus, who have crossed the bridge of Jesus, so to speak, who put their hope and trust in Jesus. Yes, he wants your little kingdom of one to have success, but that is not his ultimate goal. The purpose of God's call is to free us for something much larger than our little kingdoms. So here's what we said. This is our mission in every situation, in every location, in every relationship of life to represent Christ's heart wherever we go most effectively and it's most often accomplished in the mundane. That we are, we recognize that God has called us to in, impact people for the sake of the world, that we want to come alongside People, we've been placed for a purpose. God has you exactly where he wants you. So there's two statements that we have used that we've talked about. Number one, Jesus is the best way to live on this side of eternity. So as you come in contact with your neighbors, as you come in contact with those at school, at work, wherever God has you, that they are around you, Matthew 5, 16. Let your life so shine before others that they see Christ in you and recognize your need for Jesus Christ. And, and they, they recognize that they need Jesus. And so you come alongside them in such a way that they realize that Jesus is the best way to live life on this side of eternity. There are numerous ways to live life on this side of eternity. There are. They're just short-term solutions. They're horizontal constructs. What Jesus says is there's a vertical construct. That the way I'm going to live, I'm going to invite Jesus to be the leader of my life. I'm going to ask Jesus to empower me to take um, if we look at Galatians uh, uh, 3.20, what we looked at earlier, that it's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me so that when people are around you, they see Jesus working in you. Jesus is the best way to live life on this side of eternity. And then last week we closed with this. Jesus is the only way to live eternal life. These are the four statements that we came up with that we lived with and said this is what will drive us as a church. And when I say drive us as a church, it drives all of us who are followers of Jesus. Number one, God's love is revealed to us through Jesus' sacrificial substitutionary death on the cross. That is a non-negotiable for us. That his love is revealed by what he did for us. That he took our place on the cross and he took our place and he was our substitute by dying on the cross. Number two, people are eternally lost without saving faith in Jesus. Another non-negotiable. Number three, non-negotiable. Salvation is found in Jesus and by his name alone. There are numerous horizontal constructs, but they will not provide what, what we need for eternity. When you and I stand before God, he will say, why should I let you into heaven? And you, we can have all these, all these different things to say, well, look what I did for you, or let's, look, look, let's, have, let's have this transaction 
uh, kind of conversation. And what, what God's looking for is that we placed our faith, that he has become our substitute and we put our hope and trust in him. Number four, heaven and hell are real places and all people will spend eternity in one place or the other. Therefore, this is our mission in every situation. This is our mission in every location. This is our mission in every relationship of life to represent Christ's heart wherever we go. And most effectively and most often, it is accomplished in the mundane, day in and day out, where God has us. We're called to live our lives for the sake of the world. So I want to take us to a story found in Esther. You'll hopefully remember it as I get to it. There are four names, and I have uh, in the Bible, there's a selfie of King Xerxes, and you'll see the selfie he took. Uh, The events in this story that we looked at are from 483 to 473. King Xerxes, there are four names I want you to know about. King Xerxes, Esther, Mordecai, And then Haman, there will not be a test at the end of the service. But these four people are major players in the story that talk about for the sake of the world, how we live our lives. During 483 to 473, the Jewish people had been put in captivity by, uh, in the Babylonian empire by King Nebuchadnezzar. And during this particular time, they were freed to go back to Judah, but some people... And some of the Jews stayed place, Esther and Mordecai, who were Jews, stayed place in Susa, Persia. This is where King Xerxes was the king, king of Persia. So here's what what happens, Esther chapter 2, verses 5 to 9. At that time, there was a man in the fortress of Susa. His name was Mordecai. This man had a very beautiful and lovely young cousin who was called Esther. When her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. King Xerxes sees her, falls in love with her, and calls her to be his queen, and she becomes queen of Persia. He did not know that she was Jewish. Last person now, Haman. Haman is the king, second in command, and he is as evil as they they come. And he decides he's going to destroy all the Jewish people in Persia. And he comes up with a particular time. He casts a lot uh, to determine when they would, the, the Jews would be exterminated. And Mordecai hears about the story of what's coming down. He hears the plot and the plan. He gets in touch with, uh, with Esther. And here's what he says. Verse 14, chapter 4. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Huge line. Who knows if you have come to the place where God has you for this very exact crisis moment. He's asking her to take note of where God has dropped her, where God has given her favor, 
where God has given her influence and affluence, and he's calling her to live for something much larger than her little kingdom of one to be okay for the sake of the world, for the sake of her family. As you read following there, then Esther knows that if she uh, shows up unannounced, she can be killed. Uh, if she makes any kind of a plea, there's a chance that uh, that the king, uh, King Xerxes, could have her killed. You just didn't walk in. But she goes and risks her life and tells him what's going on. And she saves, God uses her conversation with the king, and she saves the nation. Here's what I want you to know. It's not about what you can or can't do. It's about what God can and wants to do through people who are available for the sake of the world. Availability. That God would call us to take note of where he has dropped us. Take note of where God has given you favor. Take note of where God has given you influence. Take note of where God has placed you at this very particular time. For who knows, for such a time as this, God has called us for the sake of the world. Because people need Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4 to 6, they actually include all four statements that we said earlier about God's sacrificial substitutionary death. People are eternally lost and need faith, and need faith in Jesus. Salvation is in Jesus alone, and heaven and hell are real places. Here's 1 Timothy 4, chapter 2, verses 4 to 6. God wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Where God has placed you, he's also placed other people who desperately need to know Jesus, and he wants them to know Jesus. He wants them to come to the knowledge of the truth, for there is one God, one mediator between God and mankind, and it is Jesus. Jesus is the only way for eternity in heaven. Why Jesus? Because he gave himself as a ransom for all people to pay the consequence of our sin. Death always means separation, and in this case, it's talking about eternal separation. Every person you and I come in contact with, every, every, eye, every time we make eye contact with someone, they are going to spend eternity in one of two places. And God has called us to be the face of God He's called us. He's dropped us among people where, as in Esther 4.14, who knows but that you have come to your royal position for the sake of the world. And just as Esther was called to embrace her place for the sake of the world, you and I, New Cove, and let me take it even more specifically, New Cove is just made up of us. So where God has placed me, he's put me in a position for such a time as this, for the sake of the world, because people desperately need to know Jesus. We've talked about this in 2 Corinthians 5. We are Christ's ambassadors. We represent him. That's what he's called us to do. This is our mission in every situation. This is your mission in every location. This is your mission in every every relationship of your life, from, from the home on wherever God takes you during the week and through the month and through the year. 
He has called us to represent Christ's heart wherever we go, that we would say Jesus is the best way to live life on this side of eternity, and Jesus is the only way to live life on the other side of life for eternity with Jesus. Acts 17, we've talked about this once again, so let me just go to verse 26 of Acts 17, verse 26. From one person, God created all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history. He marked out their boundaries of their lands, and God did this so they would seek him and perhaps reach out to find him because he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Jesus is the best way to live life. Three things that this says in this passage. God has placed the right people at the right time, at the right place to hear about Jesus. Number two, God has placed the right people in the right place at the right time to share Jesus, to point Jesus. Where he has you. You are exactly the right person where he has you. You are in the exact right place. You're in the exact right time. And we're to embrace our call from God for the sake of the world, not just for our little kingdom of one to improve. And I hope all of our little kingdoms improve. But we're called to something much larger than that. New Cuff is over 35 years old, and it's all the DNA has always been outward, always been outward. It's always been how do, we, how do we find people that don't know Jesus? How can we make sure we're not inward? How do we equip our people to be the face and the hands and the voice of Jesus? How do we, how do we embrace our place for the sake of the world? We have no control over someone's response to Jesus, but we do have control over whether we're praying for them. We do have control over that. We have control over whether we even notice people. We have control over whether we see people around us and serve them. We do have control over whether we tell people about the hope we have in Jesus and when, when the time is per- correct for us to do that. So how, how do we live our lives for the sake of the world? How do we do that? We carry it out one relationship at a time, one conversation at a time, one cup of coffee at a time, one volleyball game at a time. That we leverage where God has us and we put us in a place where we can carry on amazing conversations and notice the people that you're spiking the ball on and take note afterwards to help them with their bloody nose. But to care about people, we show up at a volleyball and put a team together, not just to play sandlot volleyball, which is fine, but to say, I want to do something more. I want to care about the people that, that God's put into my pathway. And just notice them and have conversation with them, build rapport, build uh, the, the ability to be able for people to know you care about me. That is not, uh, an, a, that is not we're trying, not trying to trick people. We just ultimately care about people. We care about their eternity because Jesus is the best way to live life on this side of eternity. And Jesus is the only way to spend eternity in heaven with God. And for the sake of the world, we develop relationships and care about them. I I, want to close with this, and I shared this several years ago. It was research that was done 
by the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And they said that, that those who become followers of Jesus had had an average of 40 meaningful spiritual conversations. That those who've come to know Jesus, that the average person has had over 40 meaningful conversations about Jesus. We're just saying we're committed to being one of those 40 conversations. What's more important, conversation number two or conversation number 40? They all count. And so we care about the people God has put in our pathway. We're committed to being amazing neighbors. We're committed to reaching and serving and caring for Lancaster and beyond. We're committed to taking the name of Jesus to the ends of the earth. We're committed to taking Jesus one, per one person at a time, one conversation at a time. We're just saying, for the sake of the world, count on me. We're going to make this happen. You were given a sticker. Will you please get that sticker out, please, and the pen? And I'd like you to write on that sticker for the sake of the world. For the sake of the world. And now let me, let me just open it up for a moment for you to let the Spirit of God speak to you and confirm what has he been saying to you over the last four weeks about bridging the gap for those that are around us? What has he been saying to you? You might write the word mundane. I had numerous people who said thank you for saying that mundane counts. And so I'm going to use the mundane of my life to point people to Jesus. It counts how I serve where I am involved in the mundane. You might write the word of the letter 40 on there. Maybe God said, I want you to be conversate one of the conversations, one of the numbers between one and forty sometime. You may have want to put the initials of someone that you know desperately needs Jesus, and you know you're the one that God has placed at the right time at the right place, and now you're just waiting for the right opportunity to share Jesus. Just put their initial there. I've written two words that matter to me, margin and initiate. Because I find myself overcommitted and under-resourced so many different times, and so creating margin, and then there are people in my neighborhood I need to initiate. Just get to know them. Then I want you to put your name on the sticker. And then I'm going to challenge you to do the following. In just a minute, we're going to sing an amazing song. And I'm going to ask you, to get up from where you are, come around on this side and come by the poster for the sake of the world. And I want you to take your sticker and I want you to put it on that as a means of commitment saying, for the sake of the world, here's what I'm committed to. This is what you've been saying to me. Um, and maybe God's calling you to say, I, actually, I don't care right now for the sake of the world. I don't care and I, I'll begin to pray. 
and ask God to speak to my heart and tenderize my heart. It's a time for honesty and a time for us to commit to say, for the sake of the world, this is what I'm committing to be that gap for the others who don't know Jesus yet. So let's sing together, and then as you uh, feel compelled and convicted, just come to the front and sign. Uh, put your sticker on the on the uh, sign.